Hello, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. This week, we bring our series on prayer to a close. To wrap things up, the Reverend Dr. John Guest will be preaching on how we should yield ourselves to God, His Word, and His will. Here he is with this week's message. Thank you for listening. And with that word, let's bow our heads and talk to the Lord. We're closing out a series on prayer this morning. Prayer is simply our talking to the Lord. And He is here and walks amongst us, knowing us, knowing what we're dealing with. So as we speak to him, in our speaking, Lord, we do ask you to take my lips and speak through them, that you would take our minds and think through them, that you would take our wills and bend them to your own, and that you would take our hearts, Lord Jesus, and set them on fire with love for yourself. We need you, Lord, just as we have already acknowledged we need you. So make these moments count, not just for now or tomorrow, but forever. We pray in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, it's been an amazing morning already. I mean, the baptisms, I'm looking out over you. I guess every one of you has been baptized sometime, sometime someplace. Big deal. So those moments when we give these children over to the Lord, it's a big deal. Those little lives become whole lives like ours. Right where they are at this moment, they are whole lives. But that they become, by faith and prayer, followers of Jesus, lovers of him, and little ones who become big ones who, across the space of their lives, make a difference. In the name of the same Lord into whom they were baptized. It's a big deal. And then the music we've sung. I mean, the songs we've sung. They're spectacular. And that we get to be together and enjoy the talent of these guys up here. Do you know how good they are? Have you any idea how good they are? They are always on time. It's phenomenal. When I arrived here very early this morning, sun just coming up, they were already at work on the platform here rehearsing. Didn't just happen. And they bring a lifetime of skill and training to the Lord. And that has a lot to do with what we're going to be talking about this morning. To bring ourselves to him and yield, give it all up to him. As I mentioned, we are closing out this series on prayer. It is so good. I'm just doing the closing one and you need to pray that this one might live up to the previous three. But we took the word pray. P-R-A-Y. P for praise. R for repentance. A for ask. And this morning, Y for yield. And we've been speaking to the issue that outside of you, really including yourselves... By your own decision, day by day, maybe moment by moment as you are given the grace to share your life with the Lord and share it with him, speak to him about it, that that is what we call prayer, to pray, and that this series really needs to be bound into like four CDs and made available 
and distributed. I know you can go online one by one, but to be able to put it in the hands of someone and say, you need to hear this. Because Pastor Ed and Pastor Jamie, who can forget Pastor Jamie last week, speaking about somebody laying hands on him and praying for him, and given what his back's been through over the years, that he came back all the way from Cambodia by air and has had no pain since that prayer. I mean, that God really does hear and answer prayers. That when we're speaking to him, he's really hearing us and he's present with us. And to encourage us, and that's the, the whole theme here. And so when we come to yield, it's a very important part of what prayer is. To be yielded. Now I know you don't use that word. I, I, I wonder when the last time you may have even used it. But I know you read it nearly every day. Because out on the highway there are certain intersections you come to. And there's a sign up there that says yield. What do you think that means? Well in the first place it establishes who has the right of way. So that if you don't yield and you drive out into that intersecting road and there's a collision it's your fault done cooked over you pay whether it's you or your insurance for all the reparations that's the deal it establishes who has the right of way and it's not you you yield that is surrender the right of way give the right of way honor the right of way to the intersecting traffic. And when we talk about yielding in the presence of God, this is what it means. He has the right of way. Period. If you know and love him, and you have asked Jesus to come into your life, and you've given yourself up to him, he has the right of way. So you yield to him now with that said let me read a couple of supportive and encouraging scriptures because I would say that what I've just said makes all the sense in the world at least from God's point of view but it speaks to it very specifically like in this verse from Paul's letter to the Corinthians chapter 6 verse 19 listen to these words Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, which you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. And what it describes there is the reality that God loved you enough to send his son Jesus to die on the cross. And in that dying on the cross... He offered himself as a sacrifice, holy, without blemish, on our behalf, let me put it personally, on your behalf, so that you could be forgiven. Because he took the rap. And when you come to the cross and ask him to come into your life, acknowledging what we've just said, his Holy Spirit comes into you and takes possession of you. And your body becomes the temple like a holy place of the Holy Spirit. And it goes on to say, therefore, you are not your own. There's a sting in that phrase. 
to our contemporary self-centered minds. You are not your own. And I understand that. That's one of the things I realized once I heard the Christian faith. I preached on this to the last time I was here at this very pulpit. My resistance to Jesus. I knew he loved me. I knew he died on the cross for me. I wanted his forgiveness. I wanted to know that when I put my faith in him, not only was I forgiven and made clean, but my home was in heaven when I died. And not only that, that between that moment and getting to heaven, my life would be of consequence. Wouldn't just live, die and be gone and nobody know I'd ever been here. You've been bought with a price. The death of Jesus on the cross, his precious blood shed, poured out in death for you. You are not your own. You have been bought with that price. Therefore, you render, you yield to him your life, day by day, moment by moment, your bodies, as a temple of the Holy Spirit. Similarly, let me uh, turn your attention to this, this verse in Romans, chapter 12 and verse 1. Listen to these words. Therefore, like on account of all that God's done for us, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy... To offer your bodies as living sacrifices. So he paid a sacrifice for us. We offer our lives back to him as a living sacrifice. Not a dead sacrifice, but a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God. And this is your spiritual act of worship. So worship isn't just turning up in church, singing some songs, hearing a sermon, making some kind of gift or offering saying hi to each other, and leaving. Day by day, we offer ourselves, our bodies, as a living sacrifice. A friend of mine used to say, the trouble with a living sacrifice is, as compared to a dead one, a living sacrifice wants to crawl off the altar. Dead one is slaughtered, laid on the altar, and offered. Old Testament teaching. But a living sacrifice... That means that day by day we give ourselves to him, to live out our lives for him. In other words, we yield to him the right to tell us how to live, how to use our lives, how to invest who we are. We yield it all to him and he directs our paths as we do so. And we're sensitive to his leading and want to please him. A living sacrifice. Now, how do you think that works out? Well, it goes on to say this in terms of how we achieve this. Not to be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And then you will be able, experimentally, that is, in your own experience, to test and prove what God's will is. His good and pleasing and perfect will. You could add the thought, for you, for you. How do you transform your mind? Three clear teachings from God's word. Number one, you've got to be in his word. What we're preaching and teaching you now is his word. And to be into his word, and we make such a big deal about this, encouraging you to be reading his word every day, to be into his word. 
so that it becomes the controlling factor. Not to be conformed to the world. When he uses the word world there, it's talking about the world systems organized apart from God. The world, the flesh, and the devil oppose us. The description of the, what the world was, the pride of life, all about us, the lust of our lives for what we want for ourselves, described in the reading that we heard, that's the world, the world organized apart from God. It's not the trees and the birds and the fishes. It's a world system that is antagonized by God and is antagonistic toward God. A perfect example of that. The question I would ask you is, where is your mindset on this? It's been in all the news in these recent days, let alone weeks. New York has passed a law for the people in that state to be able to kill a baby that's already in the birth channel from the mother's womb. We've become so used even into the churches to abortion being the law that we have conceded and allowed that if it's the law, it's okay. And from God's mindset, it is not okay. It is heinous and wicked. That is the world organized apart from God. Are you willing to stand up for what is true? Speak up for it? Live by it? Pray in that regard? A woman came into my office this week. We had the appointment because we had some things to talk about, but when she came in, she said she just had this amazing morning with the Lord and had been in his presence at home trembling and weeping because of what I've just described to you, and nobody seems to be that bothered about it in our culture. And she said, I was trembling and weeping and praying for our nation, for our leaders, for our churches, for our preachers. That's the world. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. First, to know what God's truth is in his word and absorb that and live by it. Secondly, to pray. To pray it in, that's where we are. That's why we're talking about it. You yield to what God wants. You come to his word and know it, that it's the truth and an authority. That the Lord himself, Jesus, is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by him. And he becomes the one who has the right of way in your life. And you yield to him. So you speak about these things. You share your heart with him. When you hear the news, when you're on uh, social media, when you're talking with friends, when you're in school and listening to classes and lectures, you know what the truth is. You're praying against the wickedness and darkness of this world. It is dark out there and getting darker outside of us, lighting it up with our lives in the name of Jesus. And then fellowship, to be together to be in a home group or a small group or some fellowship, some gathering of guys, women, families, friends who encourage each other with the truth, who are on the same page, reading the same word, speaking to the same God. 
Again, just this past week, I was in a restaurant with several others. We had a great time of conversation at the table. We obviously said grace at the beginning of the meal together. But when we were done, we had such a time of fellowship at that meal. The only appropriate thing it seemed to do, and this has happened a couple of times just in the last month with people I've been sitting with over a meal, we stood up and embraced in the middle of the restaurant and prayed as we said farewell to each other. And it wasn't to be exhibitionist, though we certainly were exhibit A about what prayer is together as friends. But it encourages us all to be more public, even as I tell you about it. Maybe that you will be more overt in who you pray with, when you pray with them, how you do that. So his word, prayer and absorbing that and praying it back to him, and fellowship. And then there are three things that are meant by who we are and give ourselves to him. What is it we yield to him? When we give it over to him, what is it we're giving? Again, let me put it in the simple terms that we've all heard before, most of us anyway. Our time, our talent, and our treasure. Those three big T's. Time. Your time is his time. It's all his. Every second, like Pastor Barry often prays, every heartbeat is a gift. Every second is a gift. I've got so many of my friends now with Jesus. I've lived long enough to say goodbye to so many. I've said to others along the way, even younger people, (laughs) we are all standing in line. And the line is moving up. And that's true for all of us. Give your time to him. It is going by moment by moment. It's great that you have given up this hour or so to be here. To be present here. This is valuable time. Take advantage of other times that we or others present. Your time, your talent, that is your abilities. Some of you have got great minds. Other talents that are phenomenal. Give it all to him. Are you a great athlete? It's his. Use your athleticism for him. Are you smart? Your intellect? Use it for him. Not just to pass exams, not just to get a good job, not just to get a car at the right price or a house at the right price. Bring your ingenuity and your mind and your talent to him. Give it to him. Your position at work, your authority in the marketplace, who you work with, your time is his time, your home, what you do in your home, how you spend your time, it's his. When you give yourself to him, you give him your time and your talent with it. And then your treasure, your wealth. It's all his. It's not yours. So when I say you are not your own, your money isn't yours. It's his. When he bought you with a price, he paid for it all. My wife, when banking used to be where you take in your paycheck and put it in the bank, would turn up at the bank and... uh, The woman behind the counter who was dealing with this said, you know, you are always so happy when you come in here, Mrs. Guest. You are so happy. And my wife said to her, what's not to be happy about? My husband makes it. I spend it. (laughs) That's too close to the truth, by the way. 
Our money really is his. My wife has taught me generosity. She gives it away like I'm printing it. Generously and to good causes. It's his. Your time, your talent, your treasure. You give yourself to him. I'm aware of time right now flying by. Let me mention this in closing. The decisions you make are on the one hand often spontaneous. Without planning. Because an opportunity, a word... Something happens, someone presents themselves to you, some opportunity comes your way, you make the decision, you say something, you do something. Spontaneity. Others, more often, are planned, worked out. How you do what you do and what you mean to do. I mean, I remember preparing the way for myself to speak to a brother of mine. I have three of them, one of them now with Jesus. That's the one I'm talking about. I was going to spend time with him. He was over in London, England. That's where he lived, our old home place. And I was going over there with my wife and planned to share with my brother one more time the gospel. And I planned it. I planned it out how I was going to do it. I prepped for it. I was ready for it. Other times are really spontaneous So you run into somebody. You just say a word on a plane or in a supermarket and it redirects somebody's life because it was a word in season just at that moment. Not prepared for, but spontaneous. I've got a book uh, in my hands right here that I want to encourage you to go and buy. It's called The Ten Second Rule. It's written by a friend of mine, Claire de Graff. It is a guy. So I don't know how he lived his life with the first name Claire. Like a boy named Sue. You're like the Johnny Cash sang about. Made him a tough guy. This guy is a guy's guy. There is nothing Claire-like about him. And he came to know Jesus. And sold his business and actually came and ran a business of mine, a ministry of mine, for about five years doing evangelism around the world. So I know this guy and I know the authenticity of what he's written. And this is a book full of very exciting things that happen because of the 10-second rule. Namely, here it is, the 10-second rule. When you feel the impetus from God, that nudge, like speak to this person, spend this money, do this thing, make this decision, sign up to go to England. <laughs> the, <laughs> whatever you got more time than 10 seconds but you make up your mind somewhere along the way you make that decision and you got 10 seconds if you don't make it up in those 10 seconds it's gone in fact he laughed I was on the phone with him just a week ago when I ordered these up for our bookshop and so I could advertise them in preparation for this this is about being yielded to the Lord moment to moment so that when he gives you direction you're there for him for that person for that moment Because this is about people. God's in the people business. And you're there for that moment. He did say that we're Presbyterians. It's the 15 minute rule. Because they need to get organized. And put together a committee. And if you're Presbyterian or from that line. 
I guess we are laughing about that, but not at you. So get your hands on this. It will inspire you. It inspired me. So that just a couple of weeks ago, my wife and I were on a plane and we couldn't get seats together. Normally, I'm on the aisle, she's in the middle, and I'm praying for the guy on her left. Because <laughs> I know she's going to say something. <laughs> so now we're both sitting by somebody else. When we get off the plane, I said, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to get talking to this guy. I was happy to sit there by myself, and I sensed that the Lord was telling me I needed to speak to him. So I finally gave in to the Lord and said, is Charlotte your home? That's what we, you know, everything goes through Charlotte from here. Even on your way to hell, you go through Charlotte from here. It's true. (laughs) Sometimes feels like it, too. So we got talking. He's traveling back and forth. Is Charlotte your home? No. I said, what are you doing in Pittsburgh? He said, I'm helping build a power plant. I said, oh, wow. And we got talking. We became encouragers of each other because he loved Jesus. I would never have known that. And he certainly wouldn't have thought that of me. So he's got my information. And I said, next time you're in, you know, in, in Pittsburgh, let's get together. I say to Kathy, you know what happened on the plane? She said, I had a fantastic talk with the guy who was next to me. This is all like spontaneous. I knew she would. She's brilliant at it. I mean, I tend to intimidate people and they don't want to talk to me. She is so easy and charming and she just chit-chats away and before you know it, she's talking about Jesus. It's an amazing gift. I sit there in awe and wonder of it. And they don't feel attacked or threatened. That's even a further gift. I start talking about Jesus and they think... I'm going after them, which I am. (laughs) But I can't cover it up. I don't hide it well. It's all his, moment by moment. And God uses that stuff. You never know where that leads. I just heard last night, because I went to see a one-man show at the Bayam Hotel, not hotel, theater, down in our city, a one-man show where the guy has memorized the whole of a C.S. Lewis book called The Screwtape Letters. And he does a one-man act about the Screwtape Letters, which is about a devil who is a superior devil under the archdevil. He calls the archdevil his lowness, as we call the God his highness. He calls the devil his lowness. But he's training an apprentice devil on how to bring Christians down. How to distract them when they're sitting in church even. How to get their attention away from what they should be thinking about. He's been very active here this morning. One man show. One of the guys organizing it that I had dinner with afterwards... uh, spoke of an incident where this show was shown in California at Berkeley. Not bad. But drama, C.S. Lewis, is big time. He got this email after the show. And by the way, this is in the area of planning. 
deliberating, preparing both the show itself, getting it there. This show was actually put on because a man in our church helped fund it, talked to the people who put it together and got it here. The very famous actor played that part of Screwtape. In any case, this is in that light. Some friends invited me to attend the Screwtape Letters. I had never heard of the book and I did not know what the play was about. As it turns out, seeing the show had a very large impact on me, so much so that I plan on travelling to San Diego to see it again. I have been on what you might call a spiritual journey over the course of the last year, and after spending some 29 years as an atheist, my Jewish parents took me to synagogue when I was a child, but I rejected it and religion and God altogether when I was about eight. It's pretty young to come to those conclusions. Over the course of the last year, I've been trying all kinds of stuff from synagogue to churches, to Buddhist chanting, to Sufi healings, trying to get more God. The bit in the play where Screwtape says, in quotes, that a moderated religion is just as good as no religion at all, close quotes, really hit me. I don't want to be just a spiritual seeker, I want to be a spiritual finder. I want to go wherever the light is, and right now, as uncomfortable as it may be, the light is coming from Christianity. I have started praying in Jesus' name and asking God to please cover me in his light and protect me from evil forces. I believe spiritual warfare is real and that I was corrupted by the darkness. That is what brings me here. I am now clawing my way toward the light. One of my Christian friends gave me a copy of Mere Christianity, another C.S. Lewis book, available in the bookshop. I'm about 60 pages in. In it, Lewis writes, and then to quote again, when you know you are sick, you will listen to the doctor. When you have realized that our position is nearly desperate, you begin to understand that what the Christians are talking about is real. I want to tell you this, that's the end of the quote. I want to tell you all this to let you know that your work really matters. Thank you for a wonderful show and so much more. If you were to ask me now, I would say, I am a Christian. The work and preparation that went into that moment of me getting my hands on this is extraordinary. Give your ingenuity to it, your prayer life to it, the plotting and planning of who you are and who you want to reach. Let's pray. Well, Lord Jesus, you've been here with us this morning all the way through. Again, we thank you for those little children. May they, as we prayed of it, and for them, grow up to know you, love you, and be this kind of servant of yours. Thank you for the music by which we sing and praise, even the song that will come up when we're done here. Thank you, Lord. And thank you for speaking to us one by one, visiting with us one by one, drawing us out to speak to you now. Lord, help me. 
Each of us says, help me, Lord. I believe, help my unbelief. Help me be to, tr to be true to you, Lord. True to what you've done for me. True to what you're now urging me to do. True to you. Lord, I yield the highway of my life to you. Be the driver, the leader, the inspiration, my Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen.